You're watching India decides on what has been at least in Delhi a fairly muted Holi. Happy Holi to all of you watching tonight. Certainly a muted and a perhaps even a tragic Holi for the family of Deepak Bharadwaj, the businessman and politician who was shot and killed in his farmhouse yesterday. A day after the killing, sources say police have zeroed in on the identity of the three men who were caught on CCTV moments after the murder. A hunt is now on in Haryana. The police have also managed to recover the Skoda car used by the killers, abandoned by them after they switched vehicles. Police are now looking for a Santro car, but beyond that, there seems to be no clarity on the motives or the suspects of the shooting. And even as the police continue to zero down on those behind the shooting, the striking similarities between this killing and the Ponti Chadha shootout has raised concerns, not just about lawlessness, but about a deadly cocktail of aggression and wealth in Delhi. Two business tycoons of Delhi, both meeting a bloody end in their sprawling South Delhi farmhouses. Just four months after liquor baron Ponti Chadha was gunned down at this farmhouse by his own brother, a real estate moneybag politician Deepak Bharadwaj was shot dead at point-blank range by three men who entered his farmhouse on Tuesday. Bharadwaj's post-mortem was conducted today with doctors recovering two bullets which hit his chest and head. The Škoda in which the killers came and escaped in has been traced by the police. The killers had abandoned the Škoda and changed over to a Santro. 62-year-old Deepak Bharadwaj was worth 609 crores on paper as per his declaration in 2009 when he contested the Lok Sabha elections. Pontichanta's business empire is worth a whopping 8,000 crores. Both men had close links with the Bahujan Samaj party and were seen as their financial support. Both Pontichanta and Deepak Bharadwaj were business tycoons with political connections to the same party. They were both shot at in broad daylight inside their farmhouses in South Delhi. Both these instances bring to the forefront the larger question about security of these business tycoons, with the Delhi police saying that if you're that rich and influential, then you should be hiring personal security of a certain caliber. In fact, the personal security officers of both men were either not around or unable to save them during these attacks. But can the Delhi police wash its hands off when it comes to accountability for such crimes? It is on record that on 15th of November, Ponti Jada met the Commissioner of Police regarding his security. It is their prime duty to protect the society, to protect each and every person on the road or inside the house. As the police tries to piece together the evidence they have, including the CCTV footage in the murder of real estate tycoon Deepak Bharadwaj and the Ponti Chadda case winds through courtrooms, the brazen manner in which these men were killed also points to a disturbing trend. A rising gun culture in the capital, perhaps fed by the heady mix of money power and political clout. Uh, very small provocation, they tend to take law into their hands and they become very aggressive. Uh, North India and Delhi, it has also acquired a certain legitimacy. Uh, people are not ashamed to front their power. According to the latest data available on the number of gun deaths in Delhi, of the 63 people killed in 2011, as many as 57 were killed with unlicensed firearms. In 2012, there were an estimated 60,000 gun license holders in the capital. But it is anybody's guess how many more there may be having unlicensed firearms. And what is now adding to a sense of lawlessness in the capital is the increasing incidence of gun violence and a growing culture of aggression. With Alok Pandey and Tanima Biswas, Natasha Jog, NDTV.
Right, so uh, joining us to debate this uh, growing culture of violence, lawlessness and money power. In the studio, we're joined by Mr. Ajay Chaudhary, who's the additional CP of uh, Southeast for Delhi Police. Thanks very much indeed uh, for joining us. Also joining us is uh, Sushil Kumar, a senior advocate, Supreme Court and senior criminal lawyer. Mr. T.R. Kakkar, former commissioner of police, Delhi, and also uh, Dilip Cherian, a well-known image consultant. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, Ajay Chaudhary, if I can begin by asking you that I know that at this stage, the details of the investigation are sensitive. But are you getting somewhere closer to trying to find out who was behind the shootout? Because in this case, at least you had the advantage of CCTV footage, which actually showed us those assailants. Uh, naturally, when an investigation is going on, there are definite leads and uh, various police teams are working on that. Mm. And most likely the results uh, will come out shortly. Uh, since uh, the case is uh, very sensitive, it is a very, very important case. It is not prudent to divulge any details at this stage. Mm. But I am sure and confident that the best teams have been put on the job. And very shortly the case shall be cut. Well, something like this happens. We saw it in Ponti Chadda's case as well. Uh, what is the first needle of suspicion that you would look towards? Would you look towards the possibility of some kind of personal motive, uh, some dispute perhaps involving his businesses? Is that the first and obvious suspicion of the lead to follow? No, I will not uh, discuss about this case. case but No, uh, I'm saying generally in cases like this. Generally in cases like this, the gun culture as you are mentioning is uh, definitely on the rise because people want to settle their property disputes, their uh, family disputes uh, with the power of the gun. Right. And why this is rising, why this commercialization and uh, too much uh, greed for uh, uh, money is yes. increasing. Yes. And maybe uh, one of the reasons which I can understand is that uh, people want instant justice. Their faith in the justice delivery system is decreasing and people want to settle the, their scores on their personal basis. No, but surely, the uh, surely there has to be some culpability of the police as well. I was given a statistic which says that of the 63 people killed in gun-related crimes in Delhi in 2011, 57 were killed with unlicensed firearms. The number of unlicensed guns that have flooded yeah, that is a question. urban India, I mean not just Delhi, across the board, is out of control. What is the police doing to check this? This is not a Delhi specific problem. No, we but I mean as the Delhi police, surely you, you must Delhi have some answers. Delhi police is totally focused on this and I have all the figures. More than 1000 illicit weapons were uh, recovered by Delhi police last year and almost 900 in the previous year. We have been uh, trying to identify the sources, the mode of transportation, right. from where these uh, guns are coming. Yes. And uh, some parts of Bihar have come adversely for producing this kind of weapon at a large scale. Well, despite your saying that the number of shootings, uh, sir, and if I can bring you in here, Mr. Sushil Kumar, seems to continue unabated. What are we seeing here? Are we seeing a combination both of lawlessness and also this, this culture of aggression of flaunting money. Uh, you see people like Ponti Chadha, uh, you see even people like Mr. Bharadwaj, they surround themselves with armed bodyguards. Is this all a product of that? Well, it can be a combination of uh, two things. One is that some inside help may be available mm. to the persons who assault. And secondly, the... You think that it could be an inside job somewhere? Help could be available because without that it is very difficult to penetrate. Yes. And also so they far. seem to know exactly at what time to come to his farmhouse, how to get to him, all of that. It, they, they had some prior knowledge. That is first. And secondly, the deterrent 
effect of punishment is perhaps not working as it should. Right. Uh, the delay in the punishment and the offence mm. and the complete effectiveness of the punishment are two weaknesses of the criminal justice system. Right. There is a legal dimension to this as well. But overall, uh, if I can bring uh, you in, Mr. Kakar, when you look at figures like Ponti Chadda and in including Mr. Bharadwaj, somebody who, until he declared his assets of 600 crores, nobody even was aware of the fact that here is somebody who's made so much money from real estate, obviously in a very short period of time. Uh, there are questions that arise, don't they, of the legality of these businesses and also whether uh, people like them are playing with fire. Uh, the press may not know, may not have known anything about Bhardwaj before he declared his assets la, uh, in the previous elections. Right. But the police did know about him. Now, look, these are the people, whether it's a Ponti Chedda or it's a Bhardwaj, these people have not made all those millions by hard work. They obviously, when they, as they were rising up, they have displeased a large number of people. Right. They have perhaps made a large number of enemies on the way of becoming millionaires and billionaires. Can I ask you, so, sir? So can it I, is, can I, it no, is, can I just it is their own doing. Okay, but can I ask you, when you said that uh, we may not have known about him, but the police did, uh, what did you mean by that? I, that, that this man is, um, is worth, uh, he is a big uh, uh, sort of uh, real estate uh, person. He, he rose from... Um, from a very humble sort of uh, this one yes. and in a short time of 15 years he made about couple of thousands of crores now there are other business there are other businessmen around yes. they don't make so much of money in such a short time and here as he went up yes. the ladder in the in the social hierarchy he must have made a large number of enemies on the way because after all he is displeased you know his modus operandi was what you take a disputed property yes. at 10% of the cost and then sort of, you know, evict everybody, do what, whatever is there so that use, use the muscle property power. committee comes to you. Use muscle power, okay, use, muscle use power, gun power, gun power you to, see, to you, 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 vacate these you live by properties. gun, you die by gun. You, you live, live by, by the gun, gun you die, die by, by the gun. gun. See? Is that, is, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, is that something... Now, well, now let me let me tell you. Now yes. you said something. You said something. You said something about the illegal arms. Yes, there are illegal arms, but uh, the police. Um, I know uh, during my days also it, about six six hundred to seven hundred, eight hundred uh, um, uh, illegal arms used to be seized by us. Yes, but let me assure you that Delhi does not have that sort of a factory. Uh, where illegal arms are manufactured, mm. these are either in UP or in Bihar. Yes. But since we get affected, we are always on the watch. But everything cannot be detected. There are people who own these we uh, weapons. They have these weapons. Right. Obviously, these people are there to use them for either for themselves or being hired by somebody to, uh, to no, sort of square up something. You see? No, you're right. I, I think I, so, I think you're right when you say that it's not possible to perhaps monitor the entry of every single illegal weapons uh, coming into the city. But Dilip Chaudhary, let me ask you as somebody who's familiar with this farmhouse culture of Delhi. Uh, when you see, as uh, Commissioner Kakkar said, what has happened in this case with Dilip Bharadwaj and what has happened, Deepak Bharadwaj, and what has happened in the case with Ponti Chadha, uh, there's a new kind of aggression that comes with the rapid rise of these figures, who often make money not through the most scrupulous means. 
I think two two things are very important and we are, we are avoiding that. Urban India has seen and semi-urban India has seen the most horrendous rise in real estate prices. These people are all today beneficiaries of massive land grab and land operations. That's one. Second, in, in the case of Pondicherry, it was liquor. Which is again a business that yeah, often but, requires but working saying, off the well, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but in, 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 in this I'm case, in, in Mr. Rajwai's yeah. case, the second thing is that, you know, this is the fifth day of uh, of the fast by Kejriwal. Okay? We as people are also responsible because we are electing these lumpen elements into positions of awesome power where they can flout the law. So they can get guns in, they surround themselves with gunmen and they live by the gun as as both the policemen are saying. But surely, so but surely, uh, Mr. Chaudhary, doesn't the police also have some responsibility to vet and monitor the personal security officers of these businessmen? I mean, in the case of Pontichanda, for example, we found that all his uh, special police officers who were guarding him, SPOs, were all from the Punjab police, heavily armed. Some of them have actually been involved in the shootout. So what are you doing about that? There has to be a proper coordination amongst the various states. All the police, they should exchange information who has been provided security, on what ground security has been provided. There mm. should be proper advanced intimation to Delhi police from other states that so and so has been granted security and they shall be staying with the person concerned but in Delhi city also. also. True? Isn't it also true that as a police, these people are a law unto themselves? You are not able to seriously monitor their activities. You are not able to seriously monitor the people around them. Because remember, they are also involved in if, businesses as has been pointed out, which may not be above the law. If a state police has granted security to somebody, it is not the job of the other police to monitor their activities. Somebody has been deputed to protect a protected person. And it is done after due deliberation. Very senior level functionaries decide the scale did of you, security. Did you have any intimation that there was a threat to the life of Mr. Bharadwaj at all? No, I will not comment on that because uh, this is not in my domain. But as far as the whole issue of rising gun culture is concerned, yes, and its sources from where it is coming and why there is lack of coordination between the states, right? The whole state police machinery should be in constant touch, like if uh, the name of um, state of Bihar and uh, UP came up. Yes, if so there are factories, illegal factories there, right. why can't we have? amended arms act which makes it a very severe offense it is simply possession of arms and use of arms okay so that's a that's a technical point can i yes, ask you a, uh, it is technical point but it is very important all right and it's an uh, important point my colleague will endorse this and he said that there is failure of justice delivery system the punishment is very low the conviction rate is very low yes all these sectors have to be taken into account Mr. Sushil Kumar, will we ever get to the bottom of cases like this to understand what has fully happened or do these get written off as we heard Mr. Kakkar say that if you live by the gun, you die by the gun? No, these cases are generally based on circumstantial evidence because eyewitnesses are not there. And Here you have CCTV footage though, uh, yes, so that's that, a big advantage. That's right, but then even then it is not an eyewitness account. So you depend on circumstances and they are the most difficult cases to prove. If one link is missing, the prosecution case can collapse. Right. So you have to work very hard to investigate these cases and foolproof circumstances have to be produced by the investigation before To the ensure court. that they are prosecuted. Uh, can I just get the last word from you, Mr. Kakkar, because obviously Ajay Chaudhary as a serving police officer will have limitations in what he has to say. But you were candid enough to point out that these kinds of businessmen seem to operate, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a sort of a, the law of their own making. And you have these farmhouses which have these high gates, 
protected by security forces, you don't often know what is going on there. And is that a problem that the police face uh, when it comes to individuals like Ponti Chadda and Mr. Bharadwaj? Look, protecting people living behind the high gates and high walls uh, in sprawling farmhouses is just not possible and it is not really uh, the police uh, responsibility to provide them security at all the time. Particularly people, those people who have a dubious character. Now, how many of such people do you think the police will be, will, uh, should provide? To my mind, police should not provide them any protection because they have brought they have their own themselves this, uh, into this situation. In this situation, I have to provide uh, protection to a law-abiding citizen, not people who keep on breaking the laws right. and concentrate there. Having said that, having said that, uh, well, this gun culture is there in every metropolitan city all over. All over. Uh, the police does whatever whatever is possible to give them provided they come and complain. They come and tell the police that they are they have threat from A, B, C or generally. Right. Because these people do not want to interact with the police in that way. Yes. They employ their own guards because they have enough money they, so that those people can be around them and, and further threaten or influence people with whom they have to deal. Yes. Now, such people, it is very, very difficult for the police to really monitor and poison and protection. to take action. Okay. Now that incident they, has taken place, I think, yes. with the CCTV footage, um, uh, Delhi police should be able to crack this case very quickly. All right. Well, at least the indications, the indications tonight are that the police is closing in. As we said, on those suspected to be contract killers, we'll have to wait and see if it does indeed turn out to be a breakthrough or a false lead. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining me tonight, and uh, Mr. Kakar. Thanks very much indeed. Moving on now, another one of our big stories. A day after Sri Lankan players were barred from playing in the Chennai IPL matches, the Sri Lanka government says that they will send their players to India only after getting a guarantee from the Indian Cricket Board and also after getting the individual OKs of each of the Lankan players. Here's an exclusive ground report sent on the mood on the streets of Colombo via Maharaja TV of Sri Lanka. Tamil Nadu Chief Minister Jalalitha Jayaram's letter to Indian Prime Minister Dr. Manmohan Singh and the subsequent decision taken by the IPL's governing council to not field Sri Lankan players in fixtures in Chennai were the talk of the town with the story capturing the headlines on most English dailies. The headline on the island, a prominent daily, spoke of Jalalitha bowling out the Sri Lankan cricketers. Sri Lanka's Sports Minister Mahinda Nandalut Kamage, speaking to News First, said that letters of consent will be obtained from Lankan cricketers before allowing them to play in the IPL. At the meeting held today, we decided to send players for the IPL if the BCCI agrees to take responsibility and if players give us their written consent through letters personally. Despite the assurances made by the Board of Control for Cricket in India on the safety of Sri Lankan cricketers, there is no clear guarantee as yet from the government of India on the security of Sri Lankan players. Sri Lankan captain Angelo Matthews responding to questions raised by journalists also commented on the issue today. Well, I think as far as the players are concerned, we've got nothing to do with it. As well as, um, you know, we've always enjoyed playing in India. But there is a situation now. Um, uh, the cricket board will let us know on that. The cricket-loving public in Colombo, both young and old, expressed differing views on the matter. I think uh, our team players should play. They definitely should play uh, for the IPL because um, that's their 
actually their freedom of that. You know, we can really enjoy watching IPL match. So we love IPL. And India is not letting us to play, so I mean, it's a bit unfair for the Sri Lankan cricketers. I think this is sports. This has nothing to do with both countries. They are playing for sports, so they should be allowed to go to India and play there, and let the Indian players also come and play in Sri Lanka. This is we are watching. There are so many spectators. Cricket is considered a religion here in Sri Lanka. In fact, many people think of it as a uniting force. But increasingly, people have begun to fear that politics is being dragged into the sport that they love. Recent developments have done very little to dispel those fears. This is Nadeem Majid reporting for NDTV from News First, Colombo, Sri Lanka. Meanwhile, in Tamil Nadu, Jay Lalitha took credit for the blocking of uh, the entry of the Sri Lankan players in to Chennai, calling it a success. The state government today further escalated the anti-Lanka rhetoric by passing a resolution that called for India to stop calling Sri Lanka a friendly country. Tamil Nadu Chief Minister Jai Lalita building pressure on the centre on Sri Lanka. A resolution in the State Assembly asking the centre to impose economic sanctions against Sri Lanka and to stop calling Sri Lanka a friendly country. It also calls for an independent international probe into allegations of genocide of Sri Lankan Tamils and a UN Security Council resolution for a referendum on Tamil Elam a separate homeland for Lankan Tamils. Jailalitha also trained her guns on DMK Chief Karunanadi. More specifically, his grand-nephew Kalanidhi Maran's IPL team. Sunrisers Hyderabad has two Sri Lankan players, Captain Kumara Sankakara and all-rounder Tisara Pereira, bought for a whopping $6,75,000. Permitting this, she says, is Karunanidhi's double-speak and the height of selfishness. I'm sure Sun TV will take a call on this. Will they definitely after the what has happened? You see, I stand. Under pressure from Jai Lalita, the BCCI has banned Sri Lankan players, umpires and support staff from participating in IPL matches in Chennai. Amma has called it a huge victory. Sri Lanka has denied allegations of genocide, but still it wouldn't allow an international probe. India and many other countries are perceived to be tacitly supporting Sri Lanka for strategic reasons. But down south, Tamil Nadu Chief Minister Jai Lalita is quietly embarrassing Sri Lanka in every possible way. Call it competitive politics or reflecting public sentiment. In Chennai with camera person Sukumar, Sam Daniel, Findy TV. Let's now uh, go across uh, very shortly live to Durban, South Africa to the BRICS summit where uh, leaders of the BRICS nation have finally announced the plan for a new BRICS Bank. This also comes just in the run-up to a meeting between Prime Minister Manmohan Singh and China's new political leadership. For more, I'm joined by my colleague uh, Nidhi Razdan from South Africa. Nidhi, hi. Uh, first, I suppose, the announcement of the BRICS Bank, uh, was it as expected or has there been some scaling down of the original plan? 
Well, Vasu, there's been a lot of pressure on the BRICS leadership uh, to make an announcement to this effect before the summit began to prove that BRICS wasn't just a talk shop and that there could be concrete proposals on the table as far as this grouping is concerned. So the announcement itself was expected, but what was also expected was the wrangling over who would control uh, the, the governance of the bank and how much money each country should put in. And that is something that still needs to be worked out over the next year. The big concern India has is that China, which has more money, is ready to put in more money as, as the initial capital into this bank, but that would also give China much more control over who gets the money that the bank loans and so on. So that's something India is trying hard to avoid, and that's going to be a tricky issue over the next year or so for the two countries to figure out. Right, and uh, Nidhi, now we're also just uh, shortly a few hours uh, or perhaps even less away uh, from the meeting uh, between Prime Minister Manmohan Singh and uh, the new political leadership in China. Uh, what have been the noises in the run-up uh, to that meeting? Does it seem that there will be a slightly less frosty relationship between India and the new regime in Beijing? Well, uh, Vasu, this meeting will be the first one between uh, the Indian Prime Minister and President Xi Jinping, who just took over in China. And it, honestly, the Indian leadership will basically get a chance to assess where he stands. He gave an interview to a group of editors just before he came here to Durban, where he talked about improving the relationship with India and a five-point plan for doing so. But he was also very candid and, uh, you know, said that he didn't believe the boundary issue was going to be easy to solve. He talked about accommodating each other's core concerns, a statement that's left uh, a, a bit of a question mark in Delhi about what he, he meant by that and whether he he's now talking about core concerns like the South China Sea on which India sees uh, very differently from Beijing. So those are things that they hope to gauge from this meeting. While I, I think the Indian side feels they've got positive signals as far as President Xi is concerned, the fact is if you also look at certain events in the run-up to this meeting, uh, whether it's been China taking over the Gwadar port in Pakistan, whether it's been reports of more dams being built along the Brahmaputra, or the fact that there was a recent informal meeting of the nuclear suppliers group where they tried to block right. uh, uh, you know, India's entry and, and make a case for Pakistan to be a member as well. So, so these are signs that this is going to continue to be a very complicated relationship. Okay. And, and that's something the new president has signaled as well. Right, Nidhi. Thanks very much indeed for that. Thanks very much. Well, that's all the time we have for on India at 9 tonight. But before we end, we leave you with the flavors of Holi across India. From all of us here, good night.